Testimony is, is not a, a only one thing about, you know, my conversion to Christ. It's about what God has done in my life, and God is constantly doing new things. You're listening to the Ascension Roundtable podcast, episode 22, How to Evangelize, Share Your Story. If we want to evangelize, we need to rediscover something that the early Christians knew very well that telling stories about how Christ has transformed our lives is what will catch people's attention. So how do we build a Catholic culture where testimonies play a central role? Tune in to the second episode in our mini-series on evangelization to hear Dr. Italy's wisdom on this topic and get practical tips to help you start incorporating more testimony into your ministry. and welcome to the podcast. We are back today with Dr. Marcellino D'Ambrosio, a.k.a. Dr. D, a.k.a. Dr. Italy, a.k.a. Dad, if you're our producer, Marisa. Um, and yeah, we're excited to have him back on the line today. We're also joined with our friend Tom McCabe, who has been traveling and speaking. And uh, we got both of them on the line today. But before we get started, I'd just like to say, if you have not listened to the podcast before this, where we talked to uh, Dr. Marcellino D'Ambrosio about the new evangelization and putting it in context of church history, then you should stop this podcast immediately and go listen to that podcast and then come back. We'll still be here. So uh, Dr. Ambrosio is a theologian, as you guys probably know, but he's also an evangelizer. And he was, as he would say, an evangelizer first, working with uh, young adults, with teens, well before he got his doctorate in theology. So welcome back, Doctor, and welcome back, Tom. How are you guys doing? Hey, Alan and Tom, I'm doing great. It's great to be with you this morning. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, me too, Alan. It's been great. I, I've been down at the Convocation of Catholic Leaders in Orlando with the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops. A wonderful event. Um, but more more than that, I was outside uh, having a, a Roman candle fight last night with my boys in the street. <laughs> so uh, aside from that, I still have my head on. So everything's going well on my end. Any any burns or? Uh... Uh, no, no. We, actually, we you know we put on our our, our trench coats and our, our welding masks. So we were. Uh, <laughs> it was a good fair fight as we were shooting Roman candles at each other. <laughs> <laughs> Doctor Ambrosia, do you guys set off fireworks or anything for Fourth uh, of July, or do you guys go see fireworks? We didn't. We didn't set off any fireworks yesterday, and we we didn't see fireworks, but we enjoyed hearing them. We sat out in the patio and and heard uh, all the kabooms, and it was awesome. Nice. So we're not here to talk about fireworks. We're here to talk about the power of testimony and how we can use it to evangelize others. So I am going to uh, throw the microphone over to Tom McCabe and uh, put on my hammock while these two guys have some conversation about the power of testimony and uh, evangelization. So, Tom, uh, you have the the helm. Hey, thanks. Thanks, Alan. Well, uh, Dr. D, thanks again for being on with us. And if I can uh, just say uh, we're a big fan of you and all that you're doing at Crossroads Initiative. Um, love your family. I've been a fan of you, but uh, I get to work with Marisa. And this last weekend, spent some time with one of your sons, Anthony, at the convocation. And I, I feel like I know you, uh, even though this is the first time we've actually uh, actually met. So uh, uh, it's great that you're on the show. So we're going to talk about um, testimony, Dr. D, but... Uh, I learned early on myself that I mean, testimony or story, whatever it is, be it you're sharing 
Bible stories, uh, anecdotes, your personal experiences, they have a power to them, uh, a power to create a teachable moment, a power to move hearts, to strengthen my point, whatever I'm going to make, to soften hearts, to break down barriers. Um, and it's not only a powerful tool to use. I, I have found it really is our narrative, right? Like it's hard. Testimony is hardwired into us. And so in that sense, we need to make it a part of of who we are as evangelists, as catechists, uh, is that something you would tend to agree with? Absolutely. Uh, it's essential. It's essential for pastoral effectiveness. And, you know, as we discussed in the last podcast, it's deeply embedded in Scripture itself and in the tradition of the Church, that it, speaking out of personal experience of the Lord's, uh, the change that He makes in our life, that, that that's what gets people's attention, and that's the most effective tool we have in evangelization. And I just want to say, if you don't mind, Tom, um, I personally am a fruit of testimony. My, my being here on this show, being in ministry, being in a, a theologian, my, I was I was a rock musician professionally, but part-time when I was 13, full-time in summers and weekends when I was 16. Um, I had no interest in faith except as fire insurance keeping me out of hell after <laughs> I died. But, you know, I wasn't excited. I was going to church on Sunday, but was not excited about faith. Christ wasn't the center of my life. I wasn't living for the kingdom. You know, the Eucharist wasn't the source and summit of my life. And how that changed wasn't through some abstract catechetical instruction. It's because two friends had life-changing experiences, shared them with me informally outside of a context of any church meeting, led me to a place, um, a, a mass and a renewal event, uh, where people were standing up and sharing testimony um, about the adventure that it was to follow Christ. And, and that's what just slapped me upside the head and, and made me realize, man, I've been sitting on a treasure as a Catholic that I didn't know about. But it was all a result of personal testimony um, that, that, that got me from being a cultural Catholic to being a disciple. So, um, you know, uh, I've been giving testimony since then, you know, started giving testimony when I was 16. And that's been a, you know, an ongoing feature of my ministry based on you know, the experience that I had, even before I learned about how traditional it was, how much it's taught in the documents and in, in the scriptures. You know, I, I, just to build on that, Dr. D, I think of you know, both of us have a, have advanced degrees in theology, and I, I've been, like you, been um, afforded the opportunity to, to learn from some some great people. And yet I think, uh, and, and I've, I, my, my intellect has been formed and all of that, but what do I remember? I remember the testimonies of each of one of my professors. I like I can't tell remember exactly what each one of them taught me. I can tell you the stories that they told me um, about their lives and how this impacted them. You're right. I, I going back to when I was 17 when I gave my life to Christ again, renewing my baptismal promises. That I can tell you the stories that those people shared with me to this day because they had that impact. Everything else I can't remember, but I remember their personal witness. Um, so that's what I mean. It's hardwired in us. So on that note, I guess one of the first questions that I want to ask you so that we can kind of clarify our terms uh, is what what is what is a testimony? And, and 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 to build on that, if you can answer, can we have more than one testimony? Is it like, OK, you have to give your testimony. What? So what is it? And can we have more than one? Yeah, Absolutely. Testimony is is not a, a only one thing about you know my conversion to Christ. It, it's about what God has done in my life, and God is constantly doing new things. <laughs> so you know, uh, the, the essence of testimony is you know comes from the law court idea of somebody before a court saying what they saw, 
uh, you know what they what they 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 actually um, knew they know based on experience that is relevant to this case. And I think that's really really critical. Two things: it has to come from your experience. It's got to be relevant to the case, which means to the people right before you and what their concerns are. It could be in a conversation that you're having with somebody. It could be uh, standing up in front of an RCIA class or a youth meeting um, or mass on Sunday. But, it, you know, it, it's got to be relevant to, to where these people are at, as well as proceeding from your own personal experience. And I just want to say, you know, you can't really contest personal experience. And, you know, you could say, well, is this person lying? But you, you can't, you know, fundamentally, people can't dispute your personal experience uttered sincerely, honestly, uh, authentically. Um you know, they can dispute syllogisms or, or you know, um, you know, arguments, objective arguments, theological arguments, but but not so much a personal experience. And that's that actually was shared with me um, by a Protestant professor who was speaking to my class. I brought him in. I was teaching a course in evangelism and ecumenism, and um, he was talking about um, how do you how do you um, share the ex your experience as a Catholic with things specifically Catholic like the Eucharist, like Mary, how do you share that with an evangelical? Um, that's testimony as well. And he was saying, don't start with the Bible. Um, you know, uh, start with how this makes a difference in your life or your relationship to Mary, your your experience of the Eucharist. You know, what difference does that make in the quality of your walk with Jesus? That's what's going to get their attention. And then afterwards, you got to show them it's in accord with Scripture. But if you just they're arguing objectively on scripture has no impact on daily experience of your walk, your discipleship. They're not going to be interested. It's not going to move them. So that was a, a very important um, uh, lesson I learned, you know, even in talking about things that we typically approach from an apologetic point of view. You know, apologetics are great, but they're really secondary to, to personal experience. Boy, I am so glad you said that. I mean, th that's just a great example. Even your the testimony of sharing that story you start realizing, wow, this is a Protestant telling me, start, lead with the experience um, and, and how powerful that is. And I'm so glad you shared that with our listeners. Um, so I mean, I, one of the, the verses in Scripture that I always come back to, because I'm, I'm a catechist, I'm an evangelist and all these, but making sure whatever I'm doing, whether I'm procla proclaiming the gospel, whether I'm teaching some doctrine, using testimony to do that. In Isaiah 55, I've always remembered this. It says, so shall my word go out from my mouth, and it shall not return to me empty. So shall it accomplish that which I propose, and propose and prosper in, in things for which I sent it. In, in other words, what is it saying? Yes, when I go out and I give my witness, I have to trust that it's not going to come back empty, that God's going to use me as his simple instrument um, to, to reach hearts. Uh, so as good as the catechesis is, as good as it is, whatever we're trying to do, you know, coupling that, coupling that with sound, you know, testimony. So why then, why then should we give testimony? Uh, what, what does giving testimony do that mere evangelization, catechesis as a discipline, as, as important and in, indispensable as it is, right, may not be able to do? What is it that testimony does? Well, just if you just think about it, um, honestly, the apostles, the 12 apostles, what, what's the essence of the 12? They were eyewitnesses to the resurrection, okay? So they, they shared that experience. Now, you could say, well, we're not eyewitnesses to the resurrection. Well, we are witnesses to the power of Christ risen, and he is alive. He's not an idea. He's not an ideology. Um, 
so there's something fundamental about human beings, and that is we we listen to testimony more than we listen to um, just abstract teaching. And this is something that Paul VI says in the great landmark in, uh, writing on uh, the evangelization is Evangelii Nunciandi, 1965. And he says, um, people in our age don't listen to teachers so much. They listen to witnesses. And if, they, if they're going to listen to teachers, it's because they are witnesses. Okay, so I, I, just, I just think it's a fundamental reality that um, people listen to experience. Um, they're interested in experience. I think that uh, uh, reality TV is an example of that. I, you know, talk television, uh, talk, shows where people sit down. This has been going on since the, the 60s, you know, sit down and share with a host. They're talking about what's going on, their experience. Uh, that, uh, that's just what rivets people. It's why the way we're wired. Why did Jesus tell parables? Because stories uh, are much more engaging than abstract doctrine. It's just It's just the way we are as human beings. Can I just jump in real quick and just want to say, yeah. <clears throat> on that note, I think that when we are delivering catechesis as like an RCI, an RCIA or adult faith formation or even in youth ministry, I think it's huge to to tie that into or wrap it around some kind of a personal story. I find that what people are much more interested in listening to your story and, and you catechize them through the story than they are just listening to, you know, doctrine or reading out of the catechism or that sort of thing. So, yeah, this is... um really good advice i think for our for our listeners today absolutely absolutely alan i, Go I, ahead, give, Dr. I was just going to say <laughs> i give talks um oftentimes wrapped around personal experience that have a lot of theology embedded in them you know i, I teach tradition um and what tradition is based on the tradition of italian cooking uh, nice. and how you can't just get it by clipping a recipe um <laughs> I, I share about mary's intercession not only from scripture, but from my own experience of Mary's intercession um, and, and, and just the reality of, of mother and how important mother is in making a home, which is part of everybody's experience if they can you know, reflect on that. But uh, someone once said, you know, you're doing doctrine, but it's stealth doctrine. You're flying <laughs> under the, the radar and you're, you're embedding it in stories. Well, that, that, absolutely. And, and um, you know, I, I just I think that that it's not it's not a question of not teaching doctrine. I mean, I. I've taught systematic theology and historical and sacramental in the classroom, and I believe that's very, very, very valuable. But even in the classroom, um, I integrate personal experience and the experience of the saints um, as well, you know, because their stories, even though they're not personal to me, are still riveting and engaging. And that's uh, what I do look forward to talking about more, even when we come back from the break, uh, Dr. D, is uh, the variety of testimonies, in other words, that we should have. I'd say... in like you, uh, the uh, I have many testimonies, and and they're they're like little accordions that if I need it, if I could, I can expand them to fifteen minutes if I need to, I can do it in two minutes. I just know the salient point that I'm trying to get across, right? And so, how much time do I have? Who is my audience? And using it, right, uh, in the moment for the proper audience. So maybe we could, when we come back, we can talk a little bit more about that, Alan. What do you say? Yeah, I love it. So let's do that. Let's take a break, and we'll be right back with. Tom McCabe and Dr. D. Hey guys, this is Shayna from Ascension. I don't know if you've heard, but with Ascension's new digital delivery platform, you can start a study with anyone, anywhere. Here's how to do it. First, go to ascensionpress.com and create a free online account. Once you're there, preview any of our study programs for free and choose the one you'd like to lead. 
Then find at least three friends, family members, or coworkers who want to do the study with you. Once you have your group, make sure everyone registers to receive their study materials. Then you're ready to go. Meet with your group in person, online, or both. It's that simple. All right, and we're back with Tom McCabe and Dr. Italy. Uh, I guess we can add to your titles. We can also call you Dr. Ninja now with your uh, stealth catechesis you were talking about. That's it. <laughs> All right, Tom, you want to uh, continue firing away? What else you got for uh, Dr. D today? Well, we could sit here all day. I, I'm enjoying this, Dr. D, just uh, uh, really just practical, talking practical about the testimony. So uh, what I threw out before beforehand is um, what makes a, a, a testimony powerful? I was saying that I have several, I mean, I countless testimonies because some of them are spontaneous, some are planned, but you, you use what you need to in the moment. Um, one of my pet peeves when I see when I'm, speaking with somebody and it happened when I was down at the convocation, I was speaking to somebody and there's a, a moment that I think the person's catechesis was slightly off. And, uh, and so I, I thought, well, this is a moment to just listen. I did a lot of listening. And then I, I began, was getting ready just to, to, to pipe in with, a uh, an experience to maybe bring them around. And the person next to me jumped in with this theological argument, premature, just boom. And I, the person I was talking to, I saw this wall begin to go up, right? And all immediately, and I was like, you didn't read the person. You, don't, you did not listen to the conversation. You, you jumped in, and you thought, I'm going to save the day for Tom because he doesn't know what he's saying, what he's doing, right? Maybe I didn't. But no, the point was I was listening. I can give the latest, I always say this, the latest Scott Hanian argument or, or the Father Baron Baronian you know, example, even the, the Dr. Italian uh, example. But it goes flat in the moment because I don't know who I'm talking to, right? I don't know what their needs are. I'm not listening to really what the need is. So that the, te the testimony is really a tool. So could you speak to what makes a testimony powerful and then perhaps what makes a testimony weak or lacking in power? Does that make sense? Yeah, exactly. Um, well, number one, as I said back in the law court, you know, Testimony has to be relevant to the case. A person doesn't get called a witness stand to tell his whole life story and everything. Um, so like, it's communication. So really, you got to be listening to the person. You got to read the person. And you, you just made that clear. You gave a great example on how that things don't go well when you're just throwing up objective reasoning. Um, you know, the wall goes up. Sales resistance goes up. If you talk about, you know, the sales world, that's what happens when people start doing a spiel like that. Um, the first thing the person needs to know if you're in a conversation is you authentically care about them and you're interested in them and respect them and you're listening to them. And I think a congregation needs to hear that too. I think it's a little bit different, uh, obviously, when you're speaking to a group, but you still should have an idea of where that group is at, what that group is struggling with, what the issues are, so that you can tailor what you have to say uh, in a way that they can relate to. You got to be relatable. But the other thing is, it's got to, it, you know, it's got to be authentic. It's got to really be sincere. Um, sincere literally means without wax, wax that covers up blemishes and makes things all pretty and polished. Um, and so sincere really means uh, that, you, that you're real. And people can sense that. And when I, I listen to preachers and people giving testimony who are really stylized and putting on 
fake enthusiasm or, you know, get into a, you know, a style. I think all of us have heard stylized preachers before that that quenches the spirit. Honestly, I think it really turns people off. So it's got to be real. You Um, it's got to be something you got to be proceeding from 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 real sincere passion uh, for Christ and for what happened. And, and, you know, um, and it's got to be relatable. and, and appropriate for the situation. So, you know, when someone asks you a brief question, you, you go on with a story that lasts two hours, uh, you lose them. So, you know, you got to kind of see what, what's appropriate to the situation. So anyway, those are just a few little tips. You know, as you said, the, the two things, the, how they how they wet each other, like how critical authenticity is to be real. Um, I think that that's first and foremost, um, so critical. And in that, sincerely authentic and loving this person, as you said. So it's not just, okay, I'm just going to tell you what I really think. I'm being authentic. It's, it's authentic in loving the person in front of me. Uh, and they, that, in a sense, oozes out of us. So that, that authenticity has to be fundamental. The other point you said that I think is wedded to it is, is knowing where they are. Uh, where they're at and listening in that sense. In other words, I've seen people who can be very sincere, but they're sincerely inappropriate. In other words, or, or sincerely misguided, like the, the woman that came up at, at the convocation. She right. was sincere in what she was saying to this person, but it was sincerely the wrong moment to share that uh, because she she didn't understand context. She didn't understand the mindset of this person. And uh, and granted, maybe she didn't under, She didn't have the full context of what the of what our discussion was, uh, but in that note, she probably should have gone a little slower. So I love how you talked about uh, the authenticity, which is fr- fr- first and foremost that that's fundamental, um, and and being sincere in in our in our charity for this person, but coupled with that, knowing where they are, relating to them, you know, making sure that we're saying what we are going to share with them the testimony really does make sense and is received, right? I mean, that, that's what we were hoping for. It isn't just uh, sharing that testimony, but creating, cultivating that, that moment, that environment, so that our testimony can be heard. Because that's what, that's what worked for you yeah, yeah. and me when we were young. Right. We, and you know, what, one thing I'll just throw out in terms of this authenticity discussion, um, that lady wasn't necessarily uh, authentic in this or sincere in the sense of being vulnerable. Um, or, or sharing from her weakness. Now, that, that's something you see very clearly in Paul, and, and that's something that really moves people. When you're willing to tell them that you, for example, are talking about faith, that you've had faith struggles too. When, when you're talking about purity, that you've had issues with, with temptation and, and sin as well. And, 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 you know, this has to be done tastefully. There's, there's some folks who gush publicly about deep, dark sins and secrets in a way that's totally inappropriate. So I'm not talking about that. But I'm saying that when when you're talking to someone uh, about Christ and anything related to the gospel or to the fullness of Catholic truth, you got to stand with them. Uh, in other words, you got to be in solidarity. You got to be uh, you know, on their side of the line. It's not me speaking in the name of the church to you. It's, it's, it's us together as people seeking truth um, and we're working on this together. And I'm just going to share with you, you know, you know what's happened to me, what I've learned, what I've found. Um, so you're on the same line with that same side of the line as, rather than above them speaking down to them. I, I think that's really kind of critical. Absolutely. Now, I, I think like if I'm giving a, a presentation, all right, or, uh, th- it, that may be different. Right? I'm, I'm tying it in. And I need to know them ahead of time. But when we're talking one on one. Uh, whenever I teach apologetics, I uh, I always talk about how critical is first and foremost. You you identify what you're what you, what they're saying. You know you affirm where you can, 
where, where you can and what they're saying, right? Uh, you clarify. So all of that is first and foremost. And as you said, I, I would say talk about climbing over to their side. Once you once they see that you really understand their dilemma, their objection, you're halfway there, if not more than halfway there, because there is that bridge that's been built. Because all of a sudden they're like, Dr. D gets it. Like, you haven't even answered. You haven't even replied yet. You haven't given your testimony. They realize, and that is part of the testimony because you're you're showing in authenticity. Wow. I understand. I get where you are. And they're like, yeah, he gets it. Then, you know, use it as a strategic point, but that isn't why we should do it. We should do it out of charity, right? First and foremost. Right. So I'm so I'm so glad you shared that because that is, I think, critical to to giving testimony. So let me uh going on building on that. Are are testimonies something we should practice or should they be spontaneous and organic? Both and <laughs> so mm-hmm. uh, first of all. It, it's important to practice by, by like, and this can be done actually. We, you can do groups, small groups of people learning to give testimonies, and and fundamentally, you know, if it's going to be a testimony about your conversion when you went either from non-belief to belief, or you went from nominal Christianity to discipleship, I think that's probably a you know a, a common kind of a testimony. Um, it could be, you know, uh, your relationship with Mary, your, you know, uh, all of a sudden being turned on to the Eucharist, whatever that may be. You actually have to think about the relevant points, where you were before, what happened, what difference it's made in your life. Um, and it's great to share that with a few people and for people to give you feedback. Um, it, because sometimes I think the common thing I find with testimonies, when people first start giving testimonies, um, they often go on way too long and add all sorts of extraneous kind of facts that are not relevant to the case, um, and therefore they lose people. So that, that's the kind of stuff that people can give input on if they're, if they're in a group and learning to do this together. And, and I think personally, um, priests and deacons need this desperately because uh, it's very rare to hear a good testimony in homilies, unfortunately, or homilies that give evidence that they're really in tune with the needs of the congregation and how the scriptures of this day really speak to those needs. So I think, you know, um, all of us, whether we're, we're teaching in front of a room in our CIA, youth ministers, whether we're the kids in a youth ministry, uh, teach, you know, learning how to share our faith with other kids or priests or deacons, whatever, um, these kinds of groups are like really helpful to, to have. But the point is, you, if you listen to a story of Paul, if you li- this has been actually studied, oral tradition. You know, when stories are passed down, they get patterned. There's a certain pattern that becomes consistent. I've told many of the same stories over and over and over again. So there's a pattern, but they're never exactly the same. This is why I'm really against personally written homilies. So if you're a deacon or priest listening to me, I I would just really challenge you. If if you're giving written homilies, stop. Start doing an outline and then communicate an oral communication because a written, even if you're good at reading, it comes off as canned and people, a lot of people will turn you off as soon as they get the sense that it's written, honestly. But, but you know, so it's got to be organic and, and come out of your heart, but it, there's still pattern. You still have practiced and learned um, what is relevant, what's not relevant. And that there's a gift of prudence that you can't really script. Prudence is is a virtue. That's another podcast, but but it's 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 the the ability habitually to make decisions in concrete circumstances as to the best way to do things. And so in a certain circumstance, you know, what's needed is one minute 
you know, what's needed is is just a few points, not the the, the five minute or ten minute story that you give in front of a room, you know. And so that you, that's practice, and that's why practice you need to practice testimony because you got to learn you know, what's relevant in what circumstance. And it's going to be some trial and error. It's not going to be pretty all at once. But that's, we, we got to realize that's that's a process, that's an ongoing process that we've got to initiate and we've got to sustain uh, in the church. You know, I'm glad that you um, mentioned how it uh, needs to be, it's both. It's It can certainly ought to be practiced, like you said, and it's patterned the more you do it. But it needs to be spontaneous in the moment. Even the same testimony that you've done many, many times reading the audience, even the Holy Spirit, the, the promptings of the Spirit in your own heart uh, uh, through that. So let's go practical then for a moment. What would be some, you've shared some incredible practical tips already. Uh, do any other practical tips come to mind uh, for you with regard to sharing your testimony or preparing your testimony? Yeah, um, I mentioned before, uh, an outline is a whole lot better. If you're going to sit down and try to try to think it through, it's great to jot some things down, but it's really important not to jot down, uh, write it out in words, and let you know because you don't want to script it. You know, practice does not mean scripting. An outline is points. It helps you organize your thoughts, um, and then and then you know you you share it practically with you know without looking at the outline, but having an outline, you can memorize two or three points or five points in succession. Um, and that's if you if you can't memorize the basic points and you got too many points. And so, uh, you know, using an outline is practical and then giving it in front of people or giving it to people in conversation um, for practice is, you know, is what I what I recommend in learning how to do testimony. You know, um, I like that. Another uh, in, in building on that, the practice, you know, in, in, in writing it out. Uh, all of mine are like accordions that if I, if I, if I know, I look at the audience, I, I look at my time frame. even in the moment you realize, Oh goodness, I just spent too much time talking about this thing. I've only got three minutes now. So knowing, okay, what are, what, what's the structure of it? As you said, uh, the basic talking points uh, and what are the key elements? Uh, so now I've only got two minutes to share that, but I still want to get that same oomph across in that testimony. So uh, do you use descriptives in, in your testimonies to try to capture them, to bring them in? Because you're, you are a good storyteller. Yeah, I mean, I think personally, a testimony is a story. And uh, it, it, whether you're telling a joke <laughs> is story, or whether you're telling the story about St. Augustine's conversion, or whether you're telling your own story, you got to use descriptives. And, and, and you know, this is, a, it's kind of a lost art, really. In my dad's generation, my dad and my grandfather are great storytellers. And I, I learned storytelling from them and telling jokes, you know. But uh, today, people don't do it as much. We've got to revive the, the gift of storytelling. And we all know in a, a good story what rivets us. And there needs to be some graphic detail um, in the story to help rivet us. Can't be just some abstract thing. Um, so anyway, I, I think it is it is important um, in that story. There's got to be, you know, some images and there's got to be some passion and something that moved you so that moves someone else. I mean, uh, emotion is important. That's what emotion means. It means what moves us to action. So, you know, it, we don't want emotionalism, but we, we, we definitely want a testimony that has some passion and that it that moves people emotionally so they will take action to pursue Christ, to learn more about Christ, whatever, you know, the exact point is here that we're dealing with. Um, there's just one other thing before we end, since our time is short. We're talking about the objective presentation, but we also talked about the, the very, very important uh, deal, uh, is, issue that we've got to, before we say a, a word, we've got to listen 
to the person and get to know the person. We've got to train people to ask questions, to exhibit interest in people and pull out of them you know, the, what their experience is, what their real issue is. If they got a problem with religion, they got a problem with the church, we got to pull that out. We've got to understand that before we say anything. So I actually think in evangelistic training, a whole session could be in testimony, teaching people to ask questions, to get to know the person, to engage with the person, to find common ground with that person. That's a, that's a skill that most people do not have. Yeah, and I think a lot of people think they've listened. That's why it's so important to make sh- to echo back. Before you've responded, did you really get it right? Right? Yeah. I have people, oh, I've listened, I've listened, oh yeah, I listened, and then they're ready to go with their spiel. In other words, I gave I gave them time to talk. Now it's my time to talk, right? No, it's uh, yeah, like you said, listen and then either echoing back or identifying, so that then you can go on. Um, a final thing: Do you use humor? I don't know. It's it's a, a baited question here. It's a baited question, but uh, and how important is that? Well, I, I think humor is incredibly important, and and so uh, humor relaxes people. If you, if people if you do if you can tell something that's really funny, uh, you, all of a sudden you build common ground, you build rapport, um, especially if you can laugh at yourself, which is uh, the kind of humor that that is that is greatest uh, because it's humble and it's real. So um, I, I think sharing your own experience can be laughing at yourself, and that instantly. Um, puts people on the same page with you and makes people relaxed. So yeah, I use humor a lot. I think it's important to use humor. And obviously, you know, we all got to find a way that works for us to integrate humor into our teaching and into our testimony and our conversation. Well, well, you know, I I wanted to share that as a teaser for uh, an upcoming show on how to use humor in catechesis. Um, One last question I would just ask, and then we'll, we'll bring this to a close. How do we develop a culture of, of testimony? Is it like, is it just a tool or is it, do you think it would be, it's, it should be part of uh, our culture uh, as Catholics. Absolutely should be part of our culture because evangelization has to be top priority. Um, and it's and evangelization and catechesis aren't going to work very well at all. They're going to be minimal and bearing fruit if, if there's not testimony integrated into them. So it's got to be part of our culture. And you can see it's part of early Christian culture. Um, what is Jesus doing? Telling stories. Some of them, uh, a, a lot of them were fictional to illustrate a point. Paul, as we shared earlier, te- his testimony is shared three times. Um, his personal testimony of number one, his conversion, but he also shares his testimony of struggling with weakness, of being rejected, of being not appreciated. I mean, he shares uh, constantly sharing from experience. So um, obviously, it's part of the culture of the early church. If you got, you know, the, the the main guy that we have, where we see his inner life is Paul. All the apostles are important, but Paul, you know, it, because of his letters um, and because he's featured so heavily in Acts, we see his inner life. Um, and we see Augustine, the greatest father of the church, the greatest teacher from the New Testament until Thomas Aquinas. What is Augustine known for? His confession his sharing of his passion, his experience, which was a sensation in the end of the fourth century. Um, so anyway, I, I think it's got to become part of our culture. Again, this is re- just recapturing really the tradition of the church, um, the sources, going back to the sources. Matt, it's, uh, this has been fantastic. Dr. D, thanks. Thanks so much. I, like I said, we could talk all day. It's a joy to have you with us. And I know we've got another podcast to record for in just a few minutes. So, Alan, I'll throw it back to you. All right. Thanks so much. I really enjoyed listening to you guys have some conversation about um, that topic. It's such an important topic of testimony. And I think so many people are so afraid to make themselves vulnerable when they're, when they are uh, working with other people in the church. And I think it's such a huge part of, of uh, being 
effective and being relative to their lives. So thank you so much for being on the show today. Tom, thank you so much for being you. And uh, we will see you guys next time. So keep listening. Keep doing what you're doing. And if you want to get a hold of us, you can at the Ascension Roundtable at ascensionpress.com. If you'd like to get a hold of Dr. D'Ambrosio, you can reach him at dridley.com. We love you guys. Peace. Peace.